This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Scripture reading today will be taken from Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 17. Sister Sherlyn will be leading, reading the scripture for us. Okay, Luke 18, starting at verse 1. Verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked him. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, happy Chinese New Year, everyone. Okay, let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you this Sunday morning, we pray that we will truly be open with our eyes to your word, to take to, to heart the warnings that Jesus gives us today. We pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, this guy, his name is uh, Thomas Frankfurter. This was taken when he was 18 years old in 2019. During that year, he decided to go for a two-month tour of the USA. And at the end of his tour, he decided to go to uh, this place called the Yosemite Nature Reserve. Okay, it's a majestic place in America, which is really famous for its waterfall. So you went to Yosemite Nature Reserve. Uh, I, I actually pre- was pronouncing it wrongly in my staff meeting. It's not Yosemite, but it's Yosemite, right? And uh, at the end of the hiking tour, 
he gave his handphone to his lady friend and he walked to the edge of the platform and wanted to proceed to go over the edge. The people in this hiking group were saying, you know, come back, come back, you know, don't be silly, it's really dangerous, don't be stupid, it's not safe. But uh, Thomas went over the rock face and he suspended himself above the cliff of his arms and the lady friend proceeded to take photographs of him with the waterfall in the background. I suppose it would make a very good thing to put into your Instagram collection, right? Suddenly, Thomas started shouting, help, help. Right, he was having trouble climbing over the cliff face back onto the safe ground. So his fellow hikers rushed to him. They lay down on the ground two by two, side by side, and grabbed each of, their, of his arms in order to pull him up from the cliff. They couldn't pull him up because his hands were really sweaty, but he wasn't strong enough to pull himself up because he wasn't strong enough. So there they were, suspended like this for a couple of minutes. After a few minutes, Thomas got weaker and weaker, couldn't hold on to them, and he plummeted to his death 1,000 feet below. The park rangers concluded an investigation and said that Thomas' death was actually completely preventable. His mistake was he failed to heed the warnings, right? He went from the safe place to a dangerous place. He went from safety to tragedy. I think that's what today's Bible passage is really all about especially relevant to us as Christians today, because we too are in a safe place. We are all saved in Christ. We are all inside the kingdom of God. And as we saw in last week's sermon, in last week's passage, Jesus is warning us that we can move from our safe place into danger and tragedy. So what have we been learning? Well, last week Jesus talked about how the king has come. He is the king who comes and brings the kingdom of God. But at the same time, he wanted to make clear to his disciples that he would first have to go to Jerusalem to suffer, to be rejected and to die. He would then ascend into heaven and then the kingdom of God would fully be completed, fully revealed when Jesus comes again. And therefore, as Christians or his disciples, we all live in this in-between period between the here and not yet between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. The second coming of Jesus where the day of the Son of Man, where Jesus will be fully revealed and the kingdom of God will be fully realized. And so Jesus actually said last week that this period, this in-between period, this here and not yet period, is a very dangerous time for all of us as Christians, all of us as disciples of Jesus Christ. Because it's during this time where we can move from our safe place in the kingdom of God to outside the kingdom of God, from salvation to judgment. And so as we look at today's passage, when you look at your Bibles, for those of you who still are using your hard copy Bibles, right, you need to ignore the subtitles. It's, it's, it's like there's no break between last week's passage and this week's passage. Right? It's all one flow. And so this week's passage begins with the, the word or the preposition, then, right, then. Because Jesus is talking about this in-between period between the here and now, and then Jesus teaches his disciples. He's teaching people who are already inside the kingdom of God, who are already in the safe place. And he wants to teach them how they need to resist the temptation to move from safety to danger. And so the first thing that he teaches today is that they must always pray and not give up. They must always pray 
and not give up. Now, he then teaches us this parable, right? This parable is to show them to, to the end or to the effect for the purpose of proving to them and emphasizing to them why they need to pray and not give up. Now, this is a fairly simple parable. It's a parable which begins with a judge. And this judge is an unjust judge. We're told that he doesn't fear God. He doesn't care what God thinks. He will do whatever he wants to do. He doesn't care about what other people think. So peer pressure means nothing to him. Even if he does the wrong thing and people disapprove, it means nothing to him, right? He's just a bochap sort of person. The second person that we're introduced to in this parable is a widow. Now, in the ancient world, widows were symbolic of weak people. They had no husbands to stand up for them, no families to turn to for help. They had no financial resources. And so here is this weak widow and this unjust judge. And this widow is faced with a problem, the problem of justice. Something has happened to this widow. We don't know what. We're not told. Some crime or something. But she's a victim, right? And she deserves justice. So she comes to the judge who does not give her this justice, right? She deserves justice, grant me justice. But because he's unjust, he fails in his duty to give, him, give her justice. And therefore, in the passage it says, for some time he refused. For some time he refused to give her justice. So justice was deserved by the widow. But instead of receiving justice, justice was denied and justice was delayed to the widow. Now because the widow has no real resources, she's got no family, no husband, no financial resources, there's only one thing that she can do, right, as we focus on this widow. The one thing that we see in this parable that Jesus emphasizes is that she is persistent. Her persistence is the only asset that she has to a certain degree. In the passage it says, there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea. Day after day, year after year, week after week, she just kept unrelentingly coming to the judge, demanding the justice that she deserved. And because of her unrelenting persistence, in the end, she gets justice, right? Because she keeps bothering the judge so much that eventually she wears him out. You can sort of imagine it, right? Here's the judge. He's going for his dinner. And she sees, he sees the widow. spoils his appetite. He's at this golf club. He's getting ready to enjoy golf at the first tee and turns around. There's the widow. Misses the golf ball. After a while, you know, every time the judge sees the widow, he gets a migraine headache, tension headache, he feels his reflux, you know, getting gastric pain. After a while, he, curses, he just can't take it anymore, and therefore he gives justice to the widow. Now, this is the key lesson that Jesus is trying to, to get us to focus on. Right? So Jesus says, and the Lord Jesus says, listen to what the unjudged judge says. Okay, so there's a bit of audience participation in today's sermon, right? Do you all remember what the unjudged judge said? We just read it a few seconds ago. Are you all paying attention? Right? Okay, what did the unjust judge say? Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice. That is what the unjust judge said, right? And that is the key lesson 
for the passage today. Because this widow keeps bothering me, is persistent, she will get justice. And that's the lesson that he's trying to emphasize to the disciples. Remember what the lesson was in the beginning? They should always pray and not lose heart. And so the, 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 the widow, in a sense, is like a model of this persistence of always praying and persisting and petitioning and not losing heart. But Jesus goes beyond that, right? Because the, the widow is a model of persistence, but we as Christians should be even more encouraged to persist in petitioning God and going to God and not losing heart. Why? Because the character of God is different from the character of the unjust judge. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. Now, if you remember, the character of the unjust judge was what? One, justice denied, right? Justice denied. He would not give justice to the widow, even though she deserved it. The second character of the unjust judge was what? Justice delayed. Justice delayed. He delayed and delayed. For some time, he did not respond to her request. But God is different from the unjust judge. See, if the unjust judge will see that the widow gets justice because of her persistence, then what Jesus is saying here is using this how much more argument, right? How much more will a caring God see that his people get justice because of their persistence? See, the unjust judge does not want to give justice deserved. But God, as a caring God, wants to give justice to his people. And so therefore, all the more, we should be following the example of persistence of the widow. Because if the widow is persistent and receives justice from the unjust judge, then how much more, as Christians, when we pray to a caring God as his people, will he give us justice as well as quickly, right? So instead of justice denied, justice is delivered. Instead of justice delayed, justice is dispatched. Now this is really important for us because we need to understand this within the context of what we read last week in chapter 17. God is not saying here, or Jesus is not saying here, that if we pray to God and we don't lose heart, we will always get justice in this world, right? doesn't mean that the courts will give us justice or the police will give us justice or somehow we will get justice. But the context really is, is that God is promising that ultimately justice will be delivered and justice will be dispatched because Jesus Christ will come of his kingdom. It is when Jesus comes and his kingdom is fully completed in this world that all injustices will be reversed and justice will be delivered. Now this is really important for us to know as we live in this in-between time, right? Because Jesus ends this teaching in verse 8 by saying, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Now, God will bring just justice. God will not delay in bringing justice. But the problem is on our side, as we live in this in-between time, will we keep having faith? Will we keep praying to God? And will we keep persisting and not losing heart? 
So I want to have some audience participation, right? So look to, your, to the person on your left. Okay, look to the person on your left. Now, imagine that person on your left, right, was unjustly denied going into university or civil service because they were Christian. Okay, now look to the person on your, on your, on your right now. Imagine if that person on your right was a Christian brother or sister who was attacked on social media because of their Christian beliefs, somehow caused to lose their job, became unemployed, and became destitute. Imagine for yourself, right? Okay, it's hard for you to look at yourself unless you put on your selfie function on your phone. But imagine yourself, right? And you are at work. And because of your Christian faith, you are limited in your career. Or you get bad marks in your assignment. How would that make you feel? How would that affect your faith? Seriously, how would that affect you in your faith? That's unjust, right? You would fail. This is, this is unjust, injustice to you. This only happens to you because you're a Christian. But will you be tempted to lose heart and not continue to persist in your faith and not continue to pray to God and not continue to be a Christian? Because that's really dangerous, right? Because then you'll be moving from the safe place of being an insider of the kingdom of God to an outsider of the kingdom of God. And that's what Jesus is warning us against. He's saying God will deliver justice and justice will be dispatched promptly. But when Jesus comes, will he find us faithful to him? Will he find us always praying to him and not losing heart? Now, if that's the first danger, okay, okay, then Jesus now approaches the second danger, right? So we need to model the persistent widow in our faith. Jesus then moves on in verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Now, who are the some here? Who are these people, the some that he's speaking to? I'm pretty convinced that the some uh, is a subset of the disciples. Because in chapter 18, verse 1, and again in the next section, the disciples are in view. So to the some here, I think it's actually saying Jesus is speaking to like a subset of the disciples. Maybe some of the sub-disciples were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on other people. He's not really addressing the Pharisees here. So again, he's speaking to kingdom people, the disciples. And Jesus speaks this parable of, again, a two-point parable, a two-person parable. One is a Pharisee and one is a tax collector. Now, the number one rule in reading the Bible must always be what did the author intend for his original audience? Right? What is the message for the original audience? When the person in the crowd 2,000 years ago, when they heard this parable, how did they understand it? When the person reading Luke's manuscript read it in that time, how would they understand it? So for us today in the modern world, if I were to say to you, good morning, Pharisee, right? I think you'd be a bit insulted, right? Because Pharisee is kind of like a negative, pejorative term today. Like I don't, people don't like being called Pharisees, right? But we also understand that in the ancient world, actually, Pharisees were people who were greatly honored, highly respected. They were admired. They were the sort of people 
that you know mothers and fathers wanted their daughters to marry. Okay? So they were like, in a sense, the hero of the story. When, they, when Jesus began with the Pharisee, they are like, okay, this is, the, this is the hero of the story. So, the Pharisee, the hero of the story, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Now, when we read this, I think we're kind of like preconditioned that this is all bad, right? But for the person in the ancient world, for the disciples, when they read this, it's all factually true, right? They would not be looking down at this and thinking, well, this is, uh, you know, this, this Pharisee guy, he's, he's such an you know, arrogant fellow. Indeed, what he's saying is true. What? The Pharisee is not like other people. He's better than the robber, he's better than the evildoer, he's better than the adulterer, and he's better even than the tax collector. He's a very religious, righteous person. The law instructs you to fast once a year, he fasts twice a week. And he's not even intermittent fasting. Right? He is giving a tenth of all he gets, whereas the law says you're only meant to give a tenth of some of the things that you get. So for the person in the ancient world, when they look at this, they would be thinking to themselves, if there was anybody who would really be an insider to the kingdom of God, someone who is saved, surely it must be this wonderful Pharisee. He is, in a sense, the hero of the story, right? But now we're introduced to the polar opposite of the Pharisee in the ancient world. Someone at the complete opposite end of the social and religious spectrum. We move from the most admired of people, the Pharisees, to one of the most despised people in the ancient world, the tax collector. We're told that the tax collector stood at a distance. Now, according to some people, in the ancient world, tax collectors were not welcome in the temple. Like, they were so, oops, they were so disliked by people that... Um, they were not welcome in the, in the temple. Now, if that's the case, this tax collector understandably doesn't come in and sit at the very front, but he's standing in the corner. He doesn't feel worthy to be in the temple. He will not even look up to heaven. Right? He's so, he feels so unworthy of God that he doesn't want to look up to God. He beats his breast as a sign of, I guess, uh, sadness and sorrow over his own, his own sinfulness. And he says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Now for the people of that day, it's kind of like a no-brainer, right? The tax collector is a sinner. He admits it with his own voice. Here is someone who's not going to make the cut. He's not going to be in the kingdom of God. Whereas on the other hand, you've got this Pharisee who is so, so, so religious, right? So here you have the hero, the Pharisee, and the zero, the tax collector. And that's why what Jesus says is so, so shocking, right? We cannot reduce the shock factor of what Jesus says. I, Jesus, tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, the Pharisee went home justified before God. 
For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now this is really shocking. We cannot limit how shocking this would be for the original hearers. What he's basically saying, fundamentally, right, is that the person whom the whole of society thinks would be justified or accepted or welcomed by God is outside the kingdom, whereas this terrible, most despised sinner actually gets in. Now, in our modern equivalent, right, if we think about it, it's a bit like what Jesus is saying is a pastor, Bible study leader, church elder, that person comes to church every week, teaches the Bible, gives money to charity, right? That person is actually not justified by God, whereas a criminal, a rapist, a murderer, that person is actually affirmed by God. Now, that would be really shocking for us, right? But that is the point of the parable. It is to shock the hearers, to shock us, to see that there are two different ways of approaching God and to warn the insiders, to warn the disciples of the dangers, right, of being A, confident of your own righteousness and B, to exalt yourself, to lift yourself up, to be proud of yourself, to raise yourself up, to think that you can actually save yourself. Now, if you notice, uh, when the Pharisee prayed, one of the things that was notable about, um, about the Pharisees' prayer is all the I's, right? You notice all the personal pronouns? I did this. I thank you. I'm not like other people. I, this is all the stuff that I did, God. Because it's representative of his own confidence, of his own righteousness, and his own exaltation. But Jesus is saying very clearly, right? that this is really, really dangerous. This is really dangerous because you're walking off that cliff. You're walking off the cliff from the safe place to a really dangerous place. Because in God's eyes, there is no difference between the Pharisee and the tax collector. All are unrighteous. All are sinful. All are sinners. We cannot approach God. We cannot find ourselves in the kingdom of God by being confident of our own righteousness and exalting and raising ourselves up before God. But rather, what Jesus is saying is we need all of our Christian life to have the humble attitude of the tax collector. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Now this word here, mercy, is also translated in other parts of the Bible as atonement. Mercy, atonement, they're synonymous words, right? The same word, different, like capturing semantic range, right? And what he's really saying here is, God, have someone else pay for my sin? Have someone else atone for my sin? Have someone else take my sin on me? Now, this looks forward to the work of Jesus. This is the mission of Jesus. He's come to give us mercy. He's come to give us atonement. And this is the only way we will ever be on the safe ground. Not by being confident of our own righteousness, but rather by being confident of God's mercy and the work of Jesus on the cross. Now, again, this is very, very important for us to hear, right? Because 
I guess if we've been a Christian for a while, we come to church for a while, we can become like the Pharisee. We can, in many ways, exalt ourselves and feel that we are better than other people. We, we feel confident that somehow God should let me in because you know, I've been coming to church for so long, I lead the Bible study, or I, I come to Bible study regularly, or I give money to church. But that's really dangerous. We are no better than the tax collector. We're no better than any other sinner. All of us here need to always come before God and bow down before His mercy and rely on the atonement of Jesus Christ. So, I've got a few questions here for you. Just think about these questions. Do you ever feel that you are more righteous than other people? Do you feel that you are as bad a sinner as anyone else? Do you feel that you can save yourself by your own righteousness? Do you recognize that you need God's mercy and atonement to enter into the kingdom of God? In a sense, each of these questions represents a different way of approaching God, right? The Pharisee's way and the tax collector's way. Anytime you feel you're more righteous than other people, anytime you feel that uh, you know, somehow you're more righteous, then you're moving to that dangerous ground, right? Anytime you recognize that you can only be saved because of God's mercy, that's when you still remain safe. Now, this is really important because we live in a time of religion, right? We think of religion. Religion fundamentally is about exalting yourself. I do things in order to make myself feel more righteous, right? That's the concept of religion, right? I fast, I visit holy places, I do holy acts. Just think of the multitude of things that people do throughout the year in different religions, right? Don't eat you know, types of food, all sorts of things. I make sacrifices, but all of these are an act to make me feel confident about my own righteousness. But the lesson for today is, that's not the way that we wait for Jesus' return. That's not the way that we, that we live in this in-between time. Right? The way we live in this in-between time is to be like the tax collector, confident only in God's mercy and His atonement. But at the same time, the other application is a wonderful application. Because think again, in the original context, if God can forgive the tax collector, he can forgive anyone. Right? If the tax collector today is like the equivalent of the murderer, the rapist in prison, then God can forgive anyone. His mercy is so great that, that everyone can still enter and rely on it. And that's why it's really good, right? Because every time we pray at church, we always have a moment of confession. That moment of confession reminds us once again that we are sinners before God and that we rely on God's mercy. Now lastly, the last part of today's passage, people were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the children of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Now what Jesus says here is that there were these people bringing babies to Jesus. Jesus uses them as an analogy, as a metaphor of the type of people who are in the kingdom of God. What does he mean then? That unless you you are like a child, like, like such as these, that then you are 
in the kingdom of God. What quality or characteristic or feature of children or babies are we supposed to have? Is it because we're supposed to be small people, right? Only small people are saved. Or only cute people are saved, right? Well, it cannot be, right? The clue is in the passage, right? People were bringing babies to Jesus. The characteristic of children is dependency. They they need other people to do things for them, right? They can't even come to Jesus themselves. They need their parents to bring them to Jesus. And so that's what we need to be. We need to be helpless and dependent upon Jesus. Now this leads back to the previous parable because the Pharisee, he's not like a little baby. The religious person is not like a little baby. They're independent. They're self-confident. But the child, the baby, is more like the tax collector who throws himself down upon the mercy of God and relies on and depends on what God can do for him. And therefore, that's why in this passage, this word is very important, right? Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. See, you don't earn the kingdom of God. You don't deserve the kingdom of God. You receive the kingdom of God. It is something that God gives you because you come to God and Jesus like a little child. Now, today is Chinese New Year, first day. What are all the parents carrying today? What are you all carrying today? Red packets, right? Okay, you're all carrying red packets. Now, ter- you know, I have a confession to make. I, I find red packets very, very uh, complex and tiring. <laughs> I spend hours trying to figure out how much money goes into what color red packet to make sure I give it to the right people, right? Change the denomination so that, you know, I give the right packet to the right people, different color, different coding. I think you, you need an Excel spreadsheet for all of these things, right? Then, you know, last year, this person gave me how much? Okay, I must give this person how much again, right? But one key rule about red packet giving is what? You only give red packets to children, right? Or some children who never get married, lah. Right, okay? <laughs> okay? So, but you give red packets to children, why? Because they're not financially independent, right? They... they they, in a fair sense, are needy, right? They, they, financially, they, will, they need your money, right? You don't give it to like CEO or person earning lots of money. You give it to kids. In the same way, we are like, like that, right? We, we, we're holding our hands not to red packets, but we're holding our hands to God for his mercy and the autonomy of Jesus Christ. See, we are needy in that way. Right? We are not as confident that way. We're, we're not independent that way. We need God to give us His mercy in order for us to be saved. So today, as we reflect on these three parts of this section, I'm going to ask you this question. How are you in this in-between time between the first coming of Jesus and His return? How are you in, this, in your faith? Are you in a sense like Toma, right? Standing right on the edge. Because it's quite scary, right? I don't know who takes all these photos, but they're online, right? 
But you know, it's like, is this a picture of your spiritual life before God? Is this a picture of your standing before God? That in a sense, you are like right on the edge between the safe place of being in the kingdom of God and falling over into judgment. Some of us may be there, but we just don't realize it. But today's passage warns us, right? As we wait for the return of Jesus, we cannot lose our faith. We may be suffering. There may be injustice in our life. There may be persecution in our life. But we've got to keep persisting, having faith, always praying, not losing heart, not giving up. Again, there's a danger of religion. After you've been a Christian for a while, you may feel you're a pretty good person. I'm pretty confident that I'll be saved, you know, of my own righteousness. But we must remember that we must always only come before God, confident not of our own righteousness, but confident of God's grace to us, God's mercy to us, and Jesus' atoning death on the cross. And lastly, we learn today that we need to be totally dependent on God and His mercy. Nothing I bring, nothing you bring to God, right? It's all God and God's work that saves us. So I hope that today, as we look at today's passage, it will be a really important reminder for all of us that as we wait for Jesus in this in-between time, in this here and not yet time, that we wait rightly for him, that we listen to these warnings that he's given us. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, we thank you for the first day of Chinese New Year. But help us to see that this Chinese New Year, this year, this Lunar New Year, is just part of the wider timeline or chronology of waiting in the days before the day of the Son of Man return. We're living in this in-between time before the death of, uh, in between the death and resurrection of Jesus and his ascension and his final return where the kingdom of God will fully be completed. And so, dear Father, we pray that we will always be aware that we are living in this in-between time. That as we wait expectantly for the return of Jesus and the full coming of the kingdom of God, we will wait rightly. We will remain in the safe place and stay in safety. And to do so, we pray that we may learn the lessons that Jesus teaches today. That when we suffer, that we face persecution, when we experience injustice, that we will be like the persistent widow, that we will have faith, we will always pray and not give up. That as we live in this time where all sorts of religions tell us to exalt ourselves, to be confident of our own righteousness, to do all these religious acts so that we may feel exalted and lifted up, that we will always acknowledge that all people are sinners before you from uh, the most holy of people uh, to the worst of criminals. All of us need to rely on your mercy and the atoning death of Jesus on the cross. And help us always not to be uh, independent and self-confident, but to be like little babies, relying totally and, uh, on Jesus Christ himself. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, we have come now to a time of reflection and discussions. Maybe you can take about five minutes uh, to talk to our neighbours, to reflect and discuss on what was spoken to us. Uh, yeah, these are the questions. Uh, so first question, uh, am I on the safe place as a kingdom of God insider? And second, uh, what lessons or warnings do I need to heed today? Yeah, 
so you may take this time to turn to your neighbors and to discuss. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.